What's up, everybody? Hope you're having a great day. And I want to let you know officially you have been Rick Rolled. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Got him. And if you didn't know what being Rick Rolled means, you now know Rick Rolled means you got brought into a place where you got a little Rick Astley. And I like being Rick Rolled because I'm not afraid to admit I love this song. Yeah. I'll never give you up, Mitch. I'm never going to let you down, Chris. <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to Theology in the Dirt. At Theology in the Dirt, we make it our aim to practice our theology in the public square of our home, our city, and our world. And we're glad that you like to listen to us and our vast array of musical genius. Uh, Chris's fault last week. He started uh, in his work for the United Way. Chris uh, had an 80s theme run this past week, and you guys raised a bunch of money. And when you're talking about the 80s, and, man, you had a DeLorean. We had a DeLorean. You had a real hoverboard from Back, Back to the, the future. future. And the guy that brought the DeLorean is a member of the North Georgia Ghostbusters, so he dressed it up in his Ghostbusters outfit. Oh, that's freaking awesome, man. Yeah, so yeah. You, you got me started on an 80s kick last week, and, dude, I've got I've got White Snake, Pat Benatar. Man, I've – gosh, it's been awesome. Oh. So with the theme and, – and, by the way, let, let's just a uh, big shout-out. You guys had a successful run this week, didn't you? Man, it was awesome. We had – Almost 2,000 people in the race and probably over 2,500 just down there to cheer people on and to hang out. 80s theme, um, it, it's by far our biggest and best race we've ever done. We got a new race route. People love that. 80s theme, we had people dressed like Richard Simmons. We had people dressed like <laughs> Ultimate Warrior. A, a lady yes. who won the best dress contest for a female was dressed like Ultimate Warrior. Oh, my. We had somebody dressed like Axl Rose from Guns N' Roses. Amazing. I mean, side ponies, fanny packs, tube socks. Um, we had two ladies dressed like Let's Get Physical. <laughs> yes. Um, so it was just it was just fun. It was awesome. My goal was to make it feel like a, like a neighborhood block party, yeah. and that's what it felt like. You know, it was awesome. Congratulations. So it was a great a, time, yeah. A great week, man. Very that's, successful. That's good stuff. And and you injected 80s into my life and uh, again, and I'm not unhappy about that. I've thoroughly enjoyed Who doesn't like the 80s? Yeah. Man. The music was gold, man. Walk Like an Egyptian. Now you need to get after that if you haven't yeah. listened to that. Little MJ. Yeah. Oh, Thriller. Best album <laughs> ever. Love album. We got off the bus, and uh, me and Rusty Mansell got off the bus uh, and, and got – in front of the television in time to turn on MTV and get the world premiere of Thriller. And like I, I'm proud to say I saw the world premiere on music television, MTV, of Thriller. That was nice. freaking awesome. Was that in black and white? Oh or does it matter if it's black or white? <laughs> <laughs> we had to adjust the antenna. We had to go out and turn it, you know, so we could so we could get that signal. Now, Rusty actually, they had cable uh at his house and my folks, we were still turning the antenna, but they actually had cable. That was the coolest thing, man. You got cable TV and you had like some channels, like nice. 25 channels and you go to MTV. That was amazing. So yeah, that's good. So total, total <laughs> being rip rolled totally got me, got me off in a, in a different direction, but there's nothing wrong but with But in that. a good mood. Yeah, completely in a good mood. And everybody should be in a good mood after having a little Rick Astley come their way. And with that, it's time for the news. Yeah, nowhere else in the world can you get a quick segment on some updates on some news with a uh, Christian worldview like you're going to get here, Theology in the Dirt. Um, today, this is uh, this is kind of a feel-good thing, but uh, the hurricane, that just uh, Hurricane Ian that came up through Florida, I saw a video clip of a, a dolphin. Uh, I, I, it was just on Twitter. It was a video clip somebody posted of a dolphin swimming a dog. The dog was kind of propped up, and the dolphin's, you know, kind of at the top of the water, pushing this dog along and getting this dog back to a place where the dog could get back onto, onto some land. That was Maybe the coolest thing I've ever seen that a dolphin rescued a dog. And I don't know how nice. newsworthy that is, but it's good news. And it just shows that even in a world of brokenness, uh, even where there's enmity between creature and creature, uh, in that moment, this very intelligent creature called the dolphin saw a distressed fellow creature and helped it out. 
And I thought that was cool that if, if animals can do that, we certainly can have some manner of empathy mm. among us humans. And so that made, it was a really feel good clip. And, uh, and I thought I'd share that as my news because I have a tendency to go all Nord Stream pipeline and bad stuff. But uh, <laughs> that was a piece of good news I thought was fun. Yeah, I I mean, my news is in line with that. Maybe not as happy, although that makes me think of that old video of like the squirrel water skiing. Yes. Remember that back yes. in the day? Yes. I mean, how can you not love that? Yeah, but, how can you not love uh, it, right? Yeah. I mean, my news is on the hurricane. I think just, you know, that's kind of the big story right now, especially in our part of the world. More so for us, it's been like whether or not the Braves series is going to happen. Um, right. But the Hurricane Ian, as it's come through Florida and up the Atlantic coast, looks like it's moving a little bit farther east uh, than expected. So that's good for Georgia. But for Florida, they have had over $2.5 million power outages. Um, as of last night, which was Thursday, there was at least seven people dead, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, winds were upwards of 150 miles an hour many times, and I read some reports where they were saying this could end up being the worst in Florida's history when wow. it's all said and done, which I, I, I didn't realize it was potentially that bad. Wasn't it Michael uh, that was the one most devastating prior to this? It kind of shot straight across coming I out think of the so. Gulf. And- that one, and I remember, I remember Andrew being yeah. real bad, too. That's my brother's name, so we used to call him Hurricane Andrew. And, yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah. Um, so certainly our prayers go out to all those in Florida and those in the path of the storm. I just quickly got some quick resources. If you're wanting to help out, here's some ways you can do that. Um, Florida Disaster Fund is the state's official private relief fund uh, established to help their communities respond and recover during times of emergency. You can donate online through their website or text the word disaster to 20222 and make a $10 donation. Uh, the Red Cross, you can donate online or text Ian to 90999 and volunteer florida is a nonprofit there uh, a state agency excuse me that has several volunteer positions available to help with the efforts of the hurricane recovery and lastly convoy of hope is the nonprofit that is providing groceries to impacted communities in florida and you can donate online through the convoy of hope website so if you're interested in helping out they certainly need it and um, sometimes we can't go or be there but most of us probably have ten bucks we could we could text or we could send in just to help with the relief efforts. So praying for you, Florida. Hope um, people stay safe. Good stuff. Thank you, Chris. You know, uh, I, people sometimes ask, and particularly I think uh, in, in a couple of circles that I, I'm part of about news. How do you how do you go about gathering news? Because so much news in our our context is uh, slanted. Um, it's propaganda for very far left or far right agendas. And uh, for me, a couple of news sources, BBC is a good place to get information mm-hmm. uh, and Axios um, are just kind of middle of the road kind of places that aren't going to slant. They just sort of give you information. So um, that's awesome. Chris, thanks for sharing good uh, resources. So folks, if you want to go help out, that's a great, uh, some great opportunities to, to be relief for some folks down in Florida and guys, it's time for, the main event. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's time for the final countdown. The show starts in 10, 9, 8, 7. Big voice is uh, my favorite part of the show. I love big voice. And I just had this thought. Uh, I, Tom Hardy, uh, Bane, uh, he's a British actor, Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. He's got this great voice. He and does. I don't know if anybody knows who all uh, things Tom Hardy has been in, but if anybody, if Tom Hardy ever happens to listen to this, he stumbles across Theology in the Dirt, listens to this episode, uh, I think he's an awesome. I like Tom Hardy. He's got great movies. Like I don't think I've ever seen a movie he's in that's not good. Nah, right. He's in Revenant. His his bad guy character in Revenant. If you haven't seen Revenant, he's awesome. Lawless, Lawless. was really good. Yeah. Um, the one, what's the dream one? Um, 
with DiCaprio. He's in that. Um, yes, that's right. And the name is escaping me now, but it's a, one of my. It's a great movie. It is a great movie. So I. So if it, if uh, anybody knows Tom Hardy and he wants to come on the show, I would love for him to voice over in one of his great voices, a Bane voice, this uh, uh, show starter, and we will replace Big Voice. He's great. I like Big Voice. He's our friend. He shows up every time we record to do our countdown for us. But he's Tom definitely Hardy's, getting the boot if Tom Hardy shows up. Yeah, he's getting the boot if Tom Hardy shows up. Or Morgan Freeman. Or Morgan, <laughs> Morgan Freeman would be awesome. That'd be cool. That's our next goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or 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 we could we could uh we could get our uh the guy in here. Um oh shoot, his name's escaping me. That does all the impersonations. Um Caliendo. Uh, yeah, Frank, Frank Caliendo. Caliendo. His Morgan Freeman is better than Morgan Freeman being himself. <laughs> We get Frank Caliendo here. We'll yeah, we'll give true. voice to boot. So or Adam Sandler. Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. Time for the topics. Time for <laughs> theology. <laughs> uh, we're trailing. Yeah, yeah, we're trailing. It's time for our big topic. Chris and I have been walking through uh, emotionally healthy discipleship by Peter Schizero, and so we want to commend that book to you. And as we've said each time, uh, we're not going to unpack his chapters. That's uh, trademark, and that'd be wrong to do that. Um, we want to kind of share some of our experience with and 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 some of our walking through uh, emotionally healthy discipleship pete scazeros we don't want to encourage you to go buy the book you can find it on amazon or where you like to find your books and uh emotionally healthy discipleship he introduces for us the our topic for the day and that's embracing the gift of of limits mm-hmm. and when i think of uh it, we live in a place where, in a time historically, where we tell our kids there's nothing you can't do, and that's that's not a bad message. That's fine. Um, we we tell them the sky's the limit and all those kind of things, and and it gives the impersonation sometimes that uh, um, maybe there are no limits. Um, and I don't think that's the intent of some of the things we say, but we go all the way back to um, as Christians, we the framework from which we view all of life, and that's the creation story. Um, God introduced limits, mm-hmm. and and the first limit set before there was ever sin is God Himself stopped working, not because He gets tired. God 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 is not limited by being tired. God intentionally stopped short of a full what we consider work week, and He rested mm-hmm. because He Himself has limits, not. As God is limited, that's bad theology. God is not limited, but God himself sets boundaries in which he's going to do and operate. And he chose to not function on the Sabbath and introduce to mankind a perpetual statute rooted in the nature and character of God in whose image we are created that we should likewise set limits. And then and then in the garden before sin, he set a limit for this tree, not that tree. Uh, and and so what we find uh, with Satan introducing rebellion into humankind is the one of the first things we do is challenge God's limits. Mm. And, and, and so as a result of the curse of sin, it is easy for us to have no limits or introduce a lifestyle with no limits as if that's actually possible. Yeah, yeah. The today, I think the two big themes are the importance of having a strong and practical understanding of limits, and then being able to dis- discern between the two types of limits, which we'll get to a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But Schizero says, without that, we severely compromise our ability to love God, ourselves, and others over the long haul. Healthy limits are important in every area of life, whether it's the workplace, parenting, marriage, friendships, dating. Uh, but they're especially necessary for those who lead in the new family of Jesus called the church. Mm. That's kind of his quote. And I love that. I think, I mean, they're important because they allow us to realize that we are limited and that we're not in control. Yeah. And that's a good reminder. If not every time, more times than not. Um, mm. And I think you kind of hit on this just as we're kind of introing this, this section and this topic, uh, we see this all throughout scripture it started there. And then it started in the garden at Eden. I mean, the Lord says, look, Adam and Eve, you have dominion over this entire world except one tree. Yeah. One tree in the in the entire world. And what do they do? <laughs> oh, I gotta have some of that tree. Yeah, let me jump um, over this fence. I mean it's 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 <laughs> yeah. like when you tell like your you know, you tell like your toddler don't touch that or their your child, they're gonna do that. And I mean right. that's just how we're that's 
we're wired that way because of yeah. Adam and Eve in the in the garden. That's right. Um, I mean, but look, then so they they were they were given one limit and couldn't handle it, and they sinned. Job was tested, could have easily given in, denounced God, and saved his family and land and everything um, that he owned, but he didn't. Jesus was allowed by God to be tempted by the evil one in Matthew four, but didn't give in. I mean, those were those were limits that he that were that were given that he you know we talked about limits of good limits the Lord gives us as a gift and then limits that we are to break through. Yeah, and we'll talk about those later on. John the Baptist was the man, right, until Jesus Himself came along, and then John didn't break those limits placed on his ministry. And in fact, in John three twenty seven. He says a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. So he accepted his limits. He didn't try to outdo Jesus because he was there for Jesus. Mm. And I, you know, I don't, sometimes I'm like, why do we struggle with this so much? You know, why do we, why do we have such an issue with limits? Um, I think it's in our nature. Um, I mean, even Paul in Acts 16, uh, they were limited from preaching the gospel in Asia. Yeah, the Holy uh, Spirit put a stop. They, they put a stop them. on them, yeah. sent them north instead of, and then west instead of east. I mean, and th- th- this is where, I, so quick point right here, and I'll get back to where we're going, but they were limited that there were lots of lost souls in Asia. Asia was very easily accessible to them. And Paul and his helpers were more than willing to go. But like you said, the Holy Spirit put a stop on that. So sometimes it's not like they're, the opportunity was good. It was a God thing. Obviously, we want to save lives. But even sometimes in the midst of our having good purpose or good thoughts and good reasoning behind trying to cross those limits, we have to be reminded that still the Holy Spirit puts limits on us. That's right. He does completely. And 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 I want people to understand there's a deep theology of limits rooted in the nature and character of God, even, even inside the Trinity there are limits in each person's. Not, and again, this is not because God um, isn't God. God is not a man, and mankind are not gods. God is God, and there is no other. But God puts holy limits in his nature. He operates in limits. Um, again, not because he's limited, but because limits are holy. And identity limits are vital for thriving and flourishing and goodness. And so Jesus has limits, not because he's not God, but because he's not the Father. And the Father has limits, not because he's not God, but because he's not the Spirit. And the Spirit has limits, not because he's not God, but because he's not the Son and the Father. They each have a a eternal, because God's not created, he's eternal. We're not eternal, we're created. God's eternal, he has no beginning, he has no end. He's God, and and as the triune God of the universe, the Son has holy limits in that He doesn't act as the Father, and the Spirit doesn't act as the Son, and and Jesus Himself. There were times in His humanity, in all His perfection, His deity was limited to the location of His humanity. There were times it wasn't. There were times he was able to heal the girl from a distance because her father exercised faith and said, my daughter's sick. All you got to do is say the word and she'll be healed. And Jesus said, that's great faith. Go, because it'll be done as you believed. And then there are times like in Mark, um, he goes into a city and he and it says he was, because of their unbelief he and, and their, their lack of belief in him, he, he laid his hands on a few people, healed a few people. There was a limitation that he had set based on other things. And so limits are are built into the nature and character of God. The Holy Spirit has limits in that the Holy Spirit's task is not to draw attention to himself, but to draw attention to Jesus. That's a limit that God in himself has put on each person of the Trinity. Mm. And, and, and there's no lack of joy in those limits. The Holy Spirit's not sitting off in a corner going, Dang, damn it, I can't. Draw attention to myself. I can't believe Jesus getting all these. Joyfully, the Holy Spirit highlights Jesus, and Jesus highlights the Father in joy. And so the the model set in front of us is a God who exercises limits in Sabbath and personal identity that is holy and right and good. And if we're created in that image, and we are, then limits have to be good for us. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And and, and we have various kinds of limits i mean we have physical limits right like i you know playing this 5k but I, i'm 
could not have run that whole thing by myself, like without stopping. Right. I certainly couldn't go complete a marathon right now. Like some people can, but for me, that's a physical limit at the moment. <laughs> right. Like bad things would happen if I tried to do that. Right. Um, we have, we have mental limits. Our brain can only process a certain amount of pain before it shuts down or a certain amount of hurt or sorrow or sadness. Uh, it can only process a certain amount of information at one time. Uh, we are, yeah, our lung capacity has limits, right? We can't just hold our breath forever underwater. You will drown. Yeah. And that's not bad. Right. Those are, it's, it's important that you understand that limit. Right. Now there are, yes, we can push past those sometimes, but those are, and I know those are kind of simple to, to say, but it's important that we realize there's those kinds of limits as much as there are spiritual limits. Sometimes our spiritual limits are there and they keep us from doing what we're meant to do. Like, you know, perhaps we feel we don't have the, the biblical knowledge that some preachers or pastors have. And so we don't pursue preaching or teaching or, or even sharing the gospel. Like we just, I, I don't, I don't have that knowledge. I'm limited in my knowledge. So I'm not going to do what the Lord's called me to do. If that's your yeah. calling. Um, I mean, Moses, perfect example of that, right? I mean, God's like, I need you to go talk to the Pharaoh. And Moses was like, dude, I can barely talk. <laughs> <laughs> the speech impediment. Like, how am I supposed to convince him? Not only go talk to him after I've deserted and left him, and he found out I'm not really his son, and now I've got to go convince, or you know, who used to be my brother. I've got to convince him. Hey, I'm gonna need you to get rid of all those slaves that are building these monuments to you, and God, like, I'm just gonna need you to free them. Yeah, yeah, just do it. Yeah, like, I'm gonna, <laughs> you know. So yeah. I mean, he had limits, and what if he just decided? I, yeah, I can't handle that. Right. So, like I said, that's that getting into that the two different kinds of limits because um, that's a perfect transition because there are lists of them. He says, kind of does it in the form of questions. What limits do I need to receive and submit to joyfully as God's invitation to mm. trust Him? So, what limits are gifts to me, and then what limits is God asking me to break through by faith so that others might know Him or so that I might become the person He intends? Mm. And I think we have to. It's imperative we learn how to discern between those two. Yeah, and that's not an easy thing sometimes. Right. Um, that I, I, that might that might be one of our greatest challenges. Yes, is discerning between those two. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And I think that's hard. I think that's something I struggle with because I see a need, and I'm just naturally bent towards. So somebody's like, "Hey, can you do this?" Yeah, just I'm often just a yes person. I'm like, "Yeah, sure, I'll do that." Even if I don't have the capacity, the time. Or it's going to be detrimental to my family to right to do that, and you know, or somebody has just needs something. And I'm like, man, I want to do that. I want to, I want to take care of that. And it's not, it's not bad that I feel that way. Yeah, but I've got to learn that there's limits too. Yeah, there's boundaries, and because sometimes our our personal limits are not only good for us, they're good for other people. Because I think you, I'm a little bit, I'm I'm wired a little bit like that in that because. I think mine's probably a little more, a little unhealthy in that I want to please people before I please God. So I have a tendency to say yes to things I should say no to because I want to please people. But the second part of that is if I do that, I take joy from somebody else having the opportunity to say yes to something they should say yes to. Mm -hmm. So by having no limits, what I end up doing is taking away from other people the joy of service. And so by having limits, it's actually, it's not selfish. I think you, I think it's easy to take limits to selfishness, just like we can wreck anything with sin and yeah. selfishness. But by having limits, I actually preserve for other people the opportunity to work and serve and get good, holy praise for their labor. Mm -hmm. But if I don't have limits, I'm taking all that for myself, and that's a selfish act. And in the same light of that, we often limit others by, like someone says, hey, I want to give you this money or let me let me come over and clean your house. I know you're struggling. Let me take your kids. Like how many times do people offer something and we turn it down? And, um, you know, that's something I learned years ago because I was like, I don't, you know, I don't need that. I don't. And then I'm like, no, I need to receive from people. We need to be good receivers but limits aren't a gift we like to receive. Right. And, and our culture tells us that, right? Our culture is like, it teaches us to try and get all we can get um, 
that we can do anything we want to break through, break down any barrier, right. um, good or bad to get what you want and to be what you want. I mean, that's everything around us is that, that anti quitter syndrome. And I think maybe that's part of it. Maybe we think sometimes by putting limits on we're, we're quitting or we're weak or we are, you know, we don't care enough or, you know, all these right. kind of things. And that's just not true. That's just, that's right. all that sinful. All that's the devil. Yeah, that's right. Well, and it's you said that, and I think that's important. There are two things there. There are limits that are to be put up that are um, somewhat boundary esque, but there are limits that should be broken through mm-hmm. because because there are things that are that are sinfully set against us. Um, one of the examples Cazero gives of himself in the book is uh, he used to um, talk about being afraid to have hard conversations. And so he would say, Oh, I'm not good at that. And so he let somebody else have a hard conversation when he said that was actually a limit that needed to be broken through because it was really based in a sinful fear. Mm-hmm. And so what he had to do is recognize that there, there are limits that we should break through because there are things that are actually holding us back from achieving God's standard of success and holiness and righteousness. Mm-hmm. And then there, there are limits that we need to impose because um, there are far too many things robbing us of life and health and joy and peace and good in the kingdom of God. And I, I think the whole thing of limits, I think if anybody's looking for a golden list of five or ten things, you do these, you're going to have perfect limits. They don't. That doesn't exist. No. Um, what people are going to have to do is, and what I've had to do is recognize that limits are holy. They're rooted in the nature of God and that I need to know myself. And I think this is a key one for me is I need to know myself well enough and be in fellowship and know other people well enough to know what my limits are so that I and those around me can flourish together. Yeah. That kind of gets into some of the benefits of this gift of limits, you know, it, they protect us so we don't hurt ourselves, others, uh, or God's work. Um, they humble us. They keep us grounded. They remind us we're not in charge. They're God's mean to give us in our ministry direction and wisdom and rest. Yeah, And we'll get to that uh, in a minute. Uh, and the limits are places we encounter God in ways that would otherwise be impossible. And, um, you know, just some quick examples Think about all the biblical heroes who faced limits but didn't rebel against them. I mentioned Moses already in his speech, uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000. And that's just how many men there were. There. Who knows how many were actually there if you count women and children. And he's got you know couple some bread and some fish. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't you know something that he – that bothered him. You know, he could have just been like, I don't have the food. I'm sorry. Let's go away. Right. Um, Gideon's 300-person army against thousands – Jeremiah's temperament, Hosea's painful marriage, Paul's history against Christians and against the church, mm. uh, Peter's lack of faith, Thomas's doubt, so on. Um, there are all these these limits that affect affect us in different ways. Yeah, and so we can, like I said, understanding there's times to break through that, and that's kind of the next section we'll get into. But also realizing, man, limits are a gift, and they are. we need to not only just accept them but embrace them and realize that there's things to be learned and, and things that the Lord wants to teach us in those limits and in those moments of utilizing those limits. That's right. Here's an example of one um, just corporately and personally that I think is affecting our church in a positive way. Uh, we've we've learned through a difficult road that Sabbath is a perpetual command given by God. and And we have had to learn that not only personal Sabbath is important, but organizational corporate Sabbath is important. And and Sabbath is a limit. So using limits positively. And so here's here's four words that we talk about in, in our uh in our elder group that's huge and, and we try to pass this on in our organization. It's um narrow and deep. So one of the ways we don't practice good limits as an organization is when we get too broad. We have too many things. Mm-hmm. Because when you have too many things as an organization, you have to know your organization well enough to know what you can handle, what you should do, and what you shouldn't do. And the truth is no church should do everything. They can't do everything. It's impossible. And the error is trying to do everything because that creates breadth and shallowness. And so we say narrow and deep. Narrow and deep is one of the ways we practice organizational limits is let's keep ourselves confined to what 
we are given to do as individuals and as a fellowship and then go deep in those things. So let's keep it narrow. And then two other words that we've been talking about, slow and steady. Jesus never ran anywhere. Hmm. Never. In fact, when Lazarus died, Jesus didn't get up and go, oh my gosh, guys, we got to hurry. He died and hung out two more days where he was. He never ran anywhere. He operated at a providential pace, always, always rolling in at just the right time. And so slow and steady. And so this whole idea of limits is huge so that we, and I love how Chick-fil-A just refuses to open on Sundays. That's a limit. And for them, it's a theological limit. God Sabbath, and as an organization, we're going to Sabbath. We're going to preserve our equipment, preserve our people. We're going to have a day off. Yeah, It's just the way it's going to be, and they continually thrive because God promises blessing on those who have limits. And so I think as an organization, when we take this to heart and as individuals and, see, and we say narrow and deep, slow and steady, and put limits on our personal life and our corporate life, we actually have the capacity to go deep organizationally, relationally, and preserve our lives by going slow and steady. Another way we found this works is in our children's ministry. Like every four Sunday, we're off. So we're not using equipment. People aren't working more. Your bride gets a Sunday off where she can be in the service. She's actually getting to play keyboard again, mm-hmm. pr- participate in the band, which is something that gives her life, yeah. which makes humans, their longevity increase. It's staggering. And here's what we've found is our numbers remain steady. Mm-hmm. Our numbers remain steady. We're not going backward. We're moving up. We're moving forward and doing so in health because of holy limits. And I'm, I'm telling you, I, once you see limits and embrace limits, you can never go back to a, a limitless existence. Yeah, I think to take that a step further, too, and this is just this is going to be one of those responsibilities of leadership is leaders have to be good at setting limits for themselves and they have to model that. And then leaders need to be, do a good job of instilling those limits onto the, those who are serving them. And I think we see this fail often in the business world. It's like we, we, we ride out our, we send out our best employees because we've just overworked them. Yeah. We throw more on them. Um, I see this in the schools, you know, with Brittany to be a teacher and I don't think it, this is anything intentional, but it's, you know, as, as admin get more put on them and they get more things thrown at them, yeah. that trickles down. They throw that on to the teachers. Yep. And I mean, and then that's not just of school. Like it's any, you know, it's everywhere. It's yeah. all, all businesses. Uh, one of the biggest mistakes businesses make is having one person who can do is the only person that can do something. Right. I'm like, you're failing your business. You're failing your organization. That's true of the church too. If you only have one person that knows how to do certain thing and you never give them any rest, Eventually they're going to be out, and then now you've hurt the whole organization because no one else knows how to do that. And so that's the importance of building a pipeline. It's important of developing more leaders. And I just, I just that was just a sidebar, but I think that's an important part specifically in ministry and in the church. It's you know leaders start by modeling that. And I think you guys are doing a good job of that by taking sabbaticals, taking time off, not feeling like hey I've got to preach every Sunday, or even like I can only take one or two off, like. You need vacation time. You need now. You, you, y'all still come to church and that, but you need time where you're not throwing everything you have at trying to keep up a pace that's impossible right. for us as humans to keep. Yeah. And by modeling that and you reaping the benefits of doing that yourself as a leader, you're you guys are doing a job of instilling that down the pipeline. Yeah, and I think that's important. That's all part of healthy discipleship. It is. It's it's huge, and 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 that everybody embraces those limits. And, and realizes nobody's expecting Sabbathless life. And so, and I, I think it's a constant fight because we have this successism that we talked about last time that success looks like increasing numbers. Well, maybe success looks like longevity. Yeah. Now, my spiritual father and mentor, Bob Roberts, said recently what impresses him is not the flash of ministry and people's great production because a lot of those people end up falling and we read about it. Mm-hmm. And they 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 have a moral failure. He said, "What impresses him are those guys who finish, and those women who finish, and they had a slow and steady, productive life, yeah. and they made it to the end with their mind, their body, their home, and their ministry intact and healthy." 
And that's profound because that's a life of limits. A life of limits will cause you to finish and finish healthy. So I'm, I'm, I'm less concerned with a growing set of numbers and more concerned with people who are around a long time and finish with everything intact, healthy yeah. and happy and together. And if that means we take Sundays off from providing ministry for people who won't show up anyway when you provide them ministry, <laughs> I'm yeah. not interested in wearing people out who show up to provide something for people who don't show up, hoping they'll show up because you don't Sabbath and provide it for them. Like yeah. that that's so messed up it's not even funny. And so it's dysfunctional. Right. And so what's functional is limits. Yeah. And so that's one of the ways we're trying to practice that as people and as an organization is let's embrace that and let's all get to the end happy. Sustainability is much more important than short-term success and trying to build something. Yes. Like you said wide. Yep. Absolutely. Um well, let's just dive into this second section of limits to breakthrough. Let's take it back to the scripture here. Sarah was 90 years old, and Abraham was even older, but God made Sarah a mother of nations. Like that, that was a legit limit if you're 90 years old. And, and, and she even says, like, there's no way. Uh, but God did that. Elijah was a prophet who was prone to depression, but was used mildly by God. Moses, again, in his speech issues um, were something that the Lord wanted him to break through. And, and helped him do that. The disciples were just average Joes at best. They weren't highly educated. They weren't highly gifted. They didn't have like this long, great resume of fantastic achievements in life. They didn't have strong leadership skills or experience. Timothy was fearful and shy. David was a small, scrawny teenager. Uh, Joseph was the runt of the litter in his family. Mary was a teenage girl from a poor family in a small town, yet was chosen to birth a king. And um, at... I don't like to get too much into catchphrases, but the ones, two that I often hear that I think are just good, God loves taking the ordinary to create extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And I think that's a good reminder is that what you feel you're limited by, there are times that that's a gift and you need to recognize that. And there are also times the Lord in, purposely puts those limits on you. Mm-hmm so that you can achieve something and give him the glory and not take it yourself because yeah. that's the only way that, that something could be achieved is because of his supernatural power. Mm, that's good, man. That, that, that's good. I, I think <clears throat> this one, this, this part is probably for me, the hardest one to wrap my head around is I, I can get the limits, limiting things. Um, what I struggle with is the idea of limits that I'm supposed to push past. And and those examples you gave help. They're very helpful because I, I, I start thinking in each of them, probably the first thing they have to push past the barrier, you might call it, that they need to break because maybe calling it a barrier as opposed to a limit's positive, maybe a barrier is the negative, but you have to push past is belief. Like they had to believe Sarah and Abraham, when God first told them what he was going to do, they were 75-ish. And, and and here she is, he visits again. It's like, no, you're going to have a baby. <laughs> it's like, no. So there was a 25-year waiting period from the introduction of this idea of having a child when she was childless until his visiting and reminding and them actually having to believe. And he wrestled with that because he's like, no, no, no. But, you know, let's, we could try this with Hagar. He tried his own ways, but the first limit that he had to push through and barrier he had to push through was unbelief mm-hmm. god you said you're going to do this and that means you don't need me to go make it happen so he had to push through unbelief to get to a place of rest in his soul that he could trust god and so for a lot of us it might be an issue of taking god at his word and just believing that in your good time you will cause good to come about in this for your glory and my joy yeah, I'm drawn to the story of Zacchaeus, and, and I, every year it pops up on my time hop, this kind of a little version of that story of, you know, Zacchaeus was limited by his height and was not going to be able to see Jesus in the crowd. And it's not that just that he that there was a tree there for him to climb up to see. The Lord planted that tree a long time ago to grow mm. in that spot, to be at the right height with the right branches and the right spots that he could traverse that tree yeah. to get there to see Jesus yeah. and to invite Jesus to his house. Mm-hmm. And I think, man, if we saw, if we could, like having that kind of belief that 
there's going to be barriers. It's kind of like trusting that the reason that you got, maybe the reason you got pulled over by that police officer mm. was so that you didn't get in a car accident a mile down the road. Mm. And sometimes we're, those limitations are enforced on us because we need them to be. Yeah. And we don't always see them as for our good. Yeah. But there are also those moments where we've got to push through limitations either that we put on ourselves. Yeah. Limitations the world tells us we have. I mean, we see this all the time. Um, we see, I mean, I watched a video the other day of this autistic child playing the piano. Like, that child has super amounts of limitations, things that I will never be able to comprehend myself. Right. But that child still has great gifts and purpose and can push past through some of those things to create incredible music that inspires other people. Wow. And so I think that's, like you said, I think those stories, we have to be reminded of those to know that we can push push through those. I think the biggest wins and successes I, I can think about that I've had in my life that I would call a win or success and or an achievement, all of them involve the Lord giving me strength or giving me the ability to push past what I may have thought was a barrier yeah. to achieve something. And that's all intentional on his part. That's good, man. I, I, for me, it, it, this becomes very tangible for me the past few years where um, because of a limitless, boundaryless life, I crashed hard. And receiving limits uh, was an act of faith for me. And so pushing past a boundary or a barrier that was a false one that I had to push past. So, so a limit to push past for me was not quitting um, because I was at a place and you, you witnessed me probably at, at the, at a lowest, the lowest place I've ever, or ever been. And, um, I just want to quit yeah. and I was, I was done. Um, and it, it took some heavy convincing of some people close to me to say, no, don't quit. Just write it out. Just write it out. Just don't quit. Let's learn some skills. Let's get some help. And so I had to push past that boundary of not not quitting because qu- quitting could have been very easily justified. Yeah. I don't think anybody would have nah. really blamed you for that. Yeah. It's like, no, it's just, just walk away, man. It's good. You've been put a lot of time in. It's good. It's time to walk away. Um, but I had to push through some hard lessons about boundaries and limits and um, fear and all manner of things that were just boiling on the inside. And so for me, uh, I had to push through not quitting because there's a there's a time to quit. Quitting's not all negative. Like the no. word quitting has a bad rap. Like it, it's always a negative. No, quitting is is not a quitting is is maybe another word for sabbathing. It's stopping. The whole idea of stopping something when you need to stop it is good. And, and for human flourishing, there are times we need to stop. We need to quit what we're doing, move on, transition. You give it whatever word you want to give it, but it's how you use it. So uh, quitting isn't always bad, but there are times quitting is bad. And and so I had to believe by faith that, that God had more and he had something else, and it was an act of faith. And so I had to push through that emotional, mental, low, dark valley of death and go, okay, um, just another day, another day, one more day, one more day, grind out today and and trust and trust God. So there are things we got to push through. And and that and it takes us back to what we said in the beginning is there is a component of in fellowship with other people um discovering what limits we have to exercise and push through. We can't know that in isolation. Yeah. Never can. Um and so we have to discover those, know ourselves, be known by others. Mm-hmm and know others well. And in so doing, we can learn holy, flourishing limits. Yeah, that dives right into the my little final point, final section here, the four ways the church can receive the gift of limits. Yeah. Um, and the first one we just you just hit on, systematize self-care of leaders. And like I said, I feel like that's something that we haven't always done great. I think that's really difficult in a church plant anyway for a long time, but we're better at that now. Uh, giving sabbaticals, accountability with each other to recognize those limits and step back when necessary, keeping the focus on the vision of the church and cutting out what's not vision-centric. Number two, set limits on invasive invasive people. Mm. Some people need limits placed on them as they aren't likely to do it themselves, and this is good for them and for the church. It goes back to when we talked about being with God as before doing for God. Mm. Uh, Sometimes we have to to do that and we have to install that into people right 
they can't handle that themselves. Mm. Uh, number three, and I think this is a huge one here, give people freedom to say no. Yep. Uh, the strongest church cultures foster an environment where it's okay for people to say no. And we have to let our people, especially our leaders and those pouring in the work, know that it's it's okay to say no. Yep. So say to say, okay to say, I can't, I can't do that right now. Right. Like I can't process that. I hope you find someone who can't, but I can't do that at the moment. Right. Um, this is loving and caring of ourselves and others and the work of the kingdom. Uh, when we say no, because of the limits that God has put on us. Yeah. And we accept that gift. And lastly, model and teach healthy boundaries. Uh, we had to define that and protect those boundaries in ourselves and for other people, uh, which does get tested often. They do. But we've got to stay strong and consistent. Um, and my last little statement, when we trust in God's goodness by receiving his limits as gifts and expressions of his love, we mature in wisdom. Just because we may view limits and boundaries as something that is not in our best interest, we have to remind ourselves that they are in the best interest of the Father's will for our lives and his mission. Mm. Man. That's uh, worth soaking on. Yeah, that's gonna. I'm gonna, I'm gonna saturate in that a little bit in the next week or so. Yeah, that's good. Um, here's the last thing I, I'll say, um, just as an example of trying to live within this. Not sometimes the only examples I have are, are myself because I'm aware of. <laughs> I'm becoming more and more aware of myself, but putting limits on myself. One of the things I've had to learn is to limit myself because because of who I am as a founder. As an as the teaching elder, um, because of my public voice, the things I do in our town, the things I'm involved in, my words carry weight. So if I say something or even suggest something, what I've had to learn is that people often receive that as some having some level of uh, authority that they feel compelled to do something or act upon it. And so I was made aware of a ministry opportunity uh, in our town uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, and how we try to go narrow and deep organizationally is uh, we don't create, we try to limit our ministries to very few things and we work them from the ground up. We're very bottom up, not a top down organization. So we want ministry to be mobilized from our members. We say our people are priests to the Lord. We believe in the priesthood believer, which means you don't need little Protestant popes running around telling everybody what to do. We believe everybody should obey the great commission. And so there was a ministry opportunity. And so I thought, okay, if, <laughs> and I was working this out in my own soul and working this out with, with, uh, my, my brothers going, okay, if I say this, these guys are going to go and do stuff and probably add more to their plate than they don't, than they, they have, uh, they have room just cause I said it and just cause I offered it up. So I went to, uh, I'm part of a small group. I don't lead a small group. My wife and I are just part of a small group. And we have a ministry director and an elder who oversees small groups. So I thought, okay, just be a church member because I'm a church member. I'm actually a member of the church also. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not just an elder. I'm a church member. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go talk to my elder and my ministry director and make them aware and ask them what they would like for me to do as a church member. So I went and I, I met with the ministry director and I said, hey, I'm just a church member right now. So turn off elder. Here's opportunity. What would you like me to do with that? And he was like, whoa, <laughs> thank you. That's good. He said, so here's what I think you should do. And I said, done. So I went and did exactly what he asked me to do. Yeah. Just as a church member, because I think limit, it, it, there are those moments where I see great opportunity. I'm a visionary type person. I'm an apostolic type person. And so I, I thought you can take that and use that and run with that. And probably things will be fine, but is that sustainable? Uh, is that what you want every church member to do? You're just a church member too. So I started working through this process. No, just put limits on yourself. Just be a church member. Just act like you want everybody else to act. Work up the chain of command. And so I did. And what I found was that was helpful. And what I found was it didn't put more on people feeling like they had to do something because I told them or asked them to do it. Mm -hmm. It allowed them to operate in their gifting and their idea of limits for themselves and what they see in their ministry are as limits that need to be obeyed. And it was good and healthy and right because I said, I'm not going to act as an elder. I'm just going to act as a church member. And I think being aware enough, and I'm learning self-awareness. I'm growing in self-awareness. I'm not the most self-aware person. I'm learning that is put on the limits because they're healthy for me. They're healthy for everybody else. And what it did was there's nothing else I have to do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to go run something now. Mm -hmm. They don't have to go run something. Um, they were able to execute the boundaries they put in place. It was healthy for everybody. And that's just a tangible example for me that that's a good use of limits that's healthy.
Yeah, my I think my last thing here, this one drives me crazy. We gotta stop using Philippians four thirteen as a reason to not take Sabbath and not accept limits. So I can't wear that on my eye black on Sunday, <laughs> Philippians four thirteen. I think that we can use that for certain things, but man, that gets used so many times to like yeah. justify wearing yourself out or trying to do something that's beyond the limits the Lord has put on you. We can use that in the moments of we need to break through. But again, that discernment piece is so crucial. And mm-hmm. that's, a, like I said, that's super hard. I'm not trying to tell people listening that's going to be easy. That's something I struggle with too. Yeah. But that's why prayer is so important. And using the wisdom the Lord gives us, asking him, Father, is this a, a limit you're putting on me that I need to accept as a gift? Mm-hmm. Or is this limit something that you want to teach me something through the breaking through of that limit? And I think if we get to that, Man, that's a great. We're gonna see some some great stuff. Yeah, that's good. That's a good word. That's a nice way to end it up, guys. We really appreciate you guys listening. Theology in the dirt. I feel like uh, every time we come to the end of our discussion, there's so much more we could do, um, but we need to move on. And so, guys, we appreciate you listening. Uh, if you have questions you'd like for us to talk about, you can email them to us at theologyinthedirt at gmail dot com, and we're glad to take a look at those and put them on the calendar. We're going to continue our study through emotionally healthy discipleship next time. And so we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, Go to restorationrome.org to check out our practical living out of our faith in the public square here in Rome and Floyd County. And we look forward to having you with us next time. Y'all have a great rest of your day. Talk to you later. Out. Out.